Hello, I'm Helen Eaton and I talk about autism and neurodiversity. I talk about these things as my family's neurodivergent, I run workshops and training in autism and it's my favourite thing to talk about. This podcast is What is Autism? Please remember I'm not a medical professional, I'm a trainer and public speaker. Please always seek the advice of a GP, paediatrician or psychologist if you need expert medical opinion. Right, so let's get on with it. My knowledge of autism comes from studies, extensive reading, but most importantly, I'm surrounded by autistic people at home and at work. I don't have a formal autism diagnosis, but consider myself to be autistic. Self-diagnosis? Is that possible? This podcast will show you how, although that's not what it's actually about. So what is autism then? Autism is the name for a specific lifelong developmental difference. It's a non-typical type of brain development. People are born autistic and stay autistic. You don't get a new brain halfway through your life. You don't get to trade up or trade down. Brain scans show autistic brains function differently, particularly around connecting different parts of the brain and processing, storing and retrieving information. Paediatricians and psychologists diagnose autism by matching a person's behaviour to a checklist of autistic traits. They'll observe a child at play and take into account parent and teacher reports too. For an adult diagnosis, they'll assess the individual's difficulties and may also speak to a close family member too. Diagnosis can be a long process, often due to waiting lists in local health services. And also there's a need to rule out other developmental differences or mental health issues too. Autism is not a mental health condition, it's a developmental difference. More people are non-autistic than autistic, so it's a non-typical type of brain development. Uh, If during the diagnosis process the person shows enough of the defined autistic traits, they're given a formal diagnosis. Some people, though, might not quite meet the exact points required, but they're still autistic in that they think and behave like an autistic person, but just haven't exactly fit the medical description on that day or not shown enough behaviours or done enough stuff to prove in the time they were observed that they are autistic. It's a tick box exercise to some degree. Some people have never had a formal diagnosis, but that doesn't mean that they're not autistic. Some people are diagnosed later in life. They've always been autistic and they've just not been given that letter to prove it. So... Aren't we all a little bit autistic? No, absolutely not. We're all just human. Autistic traits are recognisable human traits, but to an extreme level. So much so that day-to-day functioning is affected. I do get really frustrated by that. Oh, we're all just a little bit, bit autistic. No, 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 and some more no's. We're all human. We all recognise autistic traits but we're not all limited, we're not all restricted. And I say the word limited and restricted as in it affects our ability to function, to access day-to-day stuff, to access kind of society and what's going around us. Um, You know, autism is, difficulties can be extreme and they can be really challenging day-to-day. Some autistic people may have additional learning and physical needs as well, and they might need 24-hour care. Uh, other people, other autistic people, have families, jobs, busy lives, great careers. They, you know, they view themselves to be fulfilled in whatever way uh, you know, fulfilment is to them. And all are having to use strategies to cope with everyday tasks and the demand modern lives place on them. That's really important. Every autistic person is applying strategies to cope with what the world is asking them to do. I kind of mentioned modern lives there, and I think now it's a good time to tell you about Jim. 
Jim was born 80 years ago and he never took a sort of an academic school test in his life. He never had his progress assessed. He dropped out of school at a really young age and joined the family business. He was bullied a lot through life. He never really had any friends. He never really socialised. He never really travelled far. He did the same job for over 50 years. He ate the same food every day. And I mean the same food and I mean every day. He always wore a shirt, tie and braces. He always had the same beard and haircut. He was the most pleasant, fair and actually stable man I've ever known. He was happy with his lot in life and he was largely left unbothered. Um, He avoided uh, modern life to a degree. He avoided kind of technology and all that stuff. Um, He just got on and did. Uh, He was my dad and he was probably autistic. So he got quietly along with life. He just sort of plodded through. And if he were a child or a teenager alive now, I don't think he would cope with the noise and demands of modern life. I think the overwhelming pressures to conform and to communicate, the overwhelming sort of social demands, the sensory demands, the social media demands, the sharing and accessing everything sort of demands, all the challenges of modern life. Uh, The word autism just passed him by completely. That's because the word autism first popped up in the 1940s, but research really only began to pick up again in the 1980s and it's still ongoing. So autism just passed him by. He was just Jim and he just lived. So let's go back to diagnosing autism now. So to be considered autistic, the diagnostic criteria includes difficulties with social communication, social social interaction, and the person will have really strong repetitive behaviours and a need for routine but it is a unique mix for every autistic person and it's often combined with sensory difficulties too and very often other sort of neurodiversities such as uh, dyslexia or dyspraxia, dyscalculia. Autistic people uh, might struggle with or really might not enjoy socialising. They might respond unexpectedly or inappropriately to social situations. Remember the term social includes groups, one-to-one, staying in touch over the phone, text, social media, etc, etc. That is all social stuff in life. They might also struggle with social language. Again, this doesn't just mean what to say at parties. It's understanding and responding to social language, the language that other people are sharing. It's the stuff we say and write when we're communicating with other people. The repetitive behaviours, the difficulties with repetitive behaviours may mean doing the same things over and over again and there might be really strong resistance to doing anything different and a need for routine is also really common. But there's so much more to autism than those sort of diagnostic criteria though. Uh, sensory issues are key and have a huge impact. The senses include smell, taste, touch, sight, hearing, along with body awareness. So that's knowing where your body is in relation to the things around it and knowing which way up and how fast you're moving. Recognising internal feelings such as pain, hunger, needing to go to the loo, etc. may also be affected. Each autistic person might be under or oversensitive to a range of different things. You could also say that they're understimulated or overstimulated. I'm really sensitive to certain smells. I might even smell them before other people notice them. Some smells make me feel nauseous. Some are really distracting. And I can't concentrate on that until that smell has gone. So an example is the odour around the freezer section in supermarkets can actually make me feel quite unwell. And the fresh meat or fish counters are generally uh, uh, no-go zones. Uh, certain brands of washing up liquids are also really hard for me to tolerate. 
Um, I spent quite a few years in supermarkets, uh, poor memory, uh, just checking which uh, brands or which uh, scents of uh, washing up liquid I could tolerate, I liked. And then it was only when I got home and my washing up liquid had, had leaked all over my bag that I realised I probably hadn't been putting the lids back on properly. So apologies to all those people who've had leaky bottles of washing up liquids from a supermarket um, because I had to test the smell first. Oops, sorry. I think it's so much more, though, than being just fussy or awkward. The sensory input um, if it's uncomfortable, it's so overwhelming and it really increases that person's anxiety. For me, it's so my brain is screaming, what's that smell? What's that smell? Get away, get away. Can't stand it. What's that smell? And we mustn't underestimate the impact of sensory difficulties on day-to-day life. Improving the sensory environment can make a world of difference for an autistic person. Memory seems to work differently too. There might be the ability to list, list every animal species on the planet. There might be an inability to remember where the keys are, what happened an hour ago, and what chore you're supposed to be doing next. I find I remember the things I'm interested in. Uh, the rest of it, the rest of life, I rely on lists, calendars, Google, and, and other people as well. Finding the right words to say, or properly understanding what's been said can also be difficult. These are expressive and receptive language difficulties. Some autistic people are incredibly artist, articulate, Uh, others prefer to just do stuff rather than say stuff. There's a good chance there'll be information processing difficulties too. Too much information going at once, too many demands can all cause an autistic person to have a meltdown and that's that big explosion of emotions. So let's think about that fight, flight, freeze response. Tigers fight, horses have flight, you know, they run away when they're overwhelmed and rabbits freeze staring at the oncoming headlights. Too much of anything for an autistic person can lead to one of these responses. Too much anxiety, too many changes, too much sensory stimulus. The fight response is the meltdown. The brain needs uh, things to stop and it explodes with emotions and responses when that person's overwhelmed. As they mature, these explosions might be better managed as they learn to avoid overwhelm and find alternatives to the meltdown. Rather amusingly, I think there's a meltdown going on in the background. I say, um, actually, I shouldn't say amusingly, but as I'm talking about it, someone's uh, just kicked off in the background and legged it up the stairs with a loud bang and a slam of a door. Marvellous. Hopefully you can't hear that as you're listening to this. Um, So I've witnessed uh, lots and lots of meltdowns over the years in my own family and with other autistic people as well. And we'll look at dealing with those in, in another podcast. I've only witnessed a few autistic shutdowns over the years, though. I remember one person lay down on my sofa um, as what was going on was too much of them. And they just didn't get off it for hours and hours. They just lay there disconnected. And the other person um, hid themselves away in a, in a small room, a quiet room, and they just didn't connect to the outside world for a while. I've seen quite a few autistic children run away when they're overwhelmed, but that's really frightening because they're often putting themselves at risk. But the desire to get away is so strong. Those fight flight and freeze responses, the meltdown, the shutdown, the runaway, those are really strong overwhelm responses. And that suggests that whatever's going on inside the head, that overwhelm is so strong that it leads to that big response. Autistic traits are challenges which can resist day-to-day, can restrict day-to-day functioning. They're also the unique characteristics that make autistic people awesome. It does depend on the severity of the difficulty, the coping strategies we use to manage it, but also very importantly, how we and others perceive it. A strong need for routine could be a child having a meltdown because lunch is 30 minutes late. 
or it could mean a child is fantastic at getting ready for school in the morning as they do everything in an established order. My single-mindedness, my tendency to obsess and the need for all the information might be seen as pernickety, stubbornness and strong will to others. It might be seen as a barrier to getting on, but those things have given me the skills to succeed in my career, where perhaps others wouldn't have stuck at things for so long and perhaps wouldn't have uh, challenged the inequities and the unfairness that stood in the way of themselves and actually of other people as well. Um, being really, really sensitive to smells makes shopping in, in small fresh food markets almost impossible for me. But I can smell when a cake is ready to be taken out of the oven three rooms away from the kitchen. So, life as an autistic person. I've met autistic people who are in assisted living accommodation. They're receiving support with day-to-day -day tasks. I know autistic people who require 24-hour support. I know autistic people who are gloriously single and living their best lives. And I know many who are in long-term relationships and have children. I know autistic people doing very important jobs and having very, very fulfilling careers. But they are all having to think extra hard day to day about communication, interaction, and the general stuff so many people are taking for granted. Many have learnt coping and functioning strategies. A lot feel bent out of shape as they try and conform and fit in with the people around them. Some people are openly autistic and they're act actively encouraging more understanding and acceptance. And I, I use this word really carefully, they're normalising autism. They're encouraging people to see it as another much needed way of thinking and being. In this podcast, I've described how autism is diagnosed, the medical view of autism, and hopefully given a few insights into actually being autistic. My son describes autism, autism as not being a bad thing. He says it's, he quite likes the differences he gives him. The fact that he remains upbeat is a really positive thing. He's been bullied, excluded and misunderstood by lots of kids and teachers over the years. And that happens a lot. Like so many things, I guess it's due to ignorance and that ignorance means a lack of knowledge or a lack of care or empathy. Things are a lot better for him now and he's got some really good coping strategies for his anxiety and for dealing with others. It's not all sunshine and roses for us as a family, but, you know, I think he's rather wonderful. I haven't told you everything about autism. I've just given you a bit of an overview. Um, it really is my favourite subject and my obsession and I really enjoy sharing my knowledge and my experience um, I mentioned right at the start sort of the notion of self-diagnosis. Um, I consider myself to be autistic. I haven't had a formal assessment of that, but understanding the process, understanding myself, I really do recognise those autistic traits um, dominate my, my personality, my behaviour, my characteristics and the way I function. And I'm comfortable with that notion of self-diagnosis. Whilst I've spoken about self-diagnosis in this podcast, I would absolutely urge anyone and everyone to seek professional support to ensure they get the help and the information they need. I'm in a position perhaps not many people are, are in. I have autistic children. Autism is my profession, my interest, my passion. Um, and I've kind of made a, a decision based on that. But please do seek the professional support um, that really can make a difference and, and seek that um, professional opinion. So thanks for listening today. Please let others know about this podcast. Have a look at my website, helleneaton.co.uk and follow me on social media. Many thanks and goodbye.